I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode, or I guess a very special episode of Tribulation Farce. I am one of your Tribulation Farces, Tim, and joining me is Jennifer. Hello everyone, we're back. Hey Jennifer, how are you today? Uh, you know, I'm pretty good. Um, it's a Friday, I've just finished work, uh, my brain's been kind of blasted by that, but I'm excited to talk Trib Farce. We're, you know, we took uh, had a little break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because... This is a research episode, everyone, that I've been preparing and agonizing over and being like, I need to do more research. <laughs> and it's like, all right, Jennifer, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> Time to just do it. Will this weekend be the weekend we record it? No, let's push it down. And so, but here we are. Uh, uh, you have uh, dug into the uh, library of yes. science and rationality. Yes. And have come to us with some of your findings. What are we uh, discussing today? So I actually really struggle with how to <laughs> even fit what this episode is about into a succinct, you know, set of words. And I think that if I had to nail it down to the most succinct thing, it would be dispensationalism. Now that doesn't sound super exciting. <laughs> so it's a big word. It's, it's a, big, a very, word. it is a big word. And you will know what dispensationalism is when you leave this episode today, which okay. is great. But basically what I wanted to talk about in this episode is where the heck did all this weird shit and left behind come from? Where Got did it. these concepts come from? Right. Cause did, uh, everything that is described in the left behind, is that what they thought 2000 years ago? Exactly. Or, or, or what? So let me tell you right off the bat, like, and, you know, again, you guys know, Tim and I both grew up. If so, yeah, if, actually, if you're listening to this one randomly, but that wasn't <laughs> to that, which is possible. It's like a one-off research episode. Tim and I both grew up super evangelical in the South, uh, believing that we would be raptured away at yeah. any time. If, I'm from Florida. It's different. Yeah. Florida's very, I'm from uh, North Carolina, but like very rural, grew up in not even a Southern Baptist church, but an independent Baptist mm-hmm. church who was like super into all this shit. So, you know, I think both of us, Grew up believing a lot of things that were like, well, this is what the church has always believed. This yeah. is what Christians believe. This is just the default assumption yeah. uh, of of the uh, Christian um, American, I guess. Yeah, say. exactly. And then I went away to college and found out. Now, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> These things that I was taught in church are not really exactly in the Bible, and right. also, like, they didn't really used to think this right, back in the right. day. But you know, most of our uh, classmates 
went in thinking that this was kind of the basis too. So it's well, our least- classmates in in college, but then expand that circle a little bit, and you start talk, you know, talking to people who are Lutheran mm. <laughs> or you know normal denominations, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've never heard this in my life. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, like I, we both very much grew up believing that the rapture, the tribulation, all this stuff was just like settled. Like yeah. everyone agreed. This is what the church has always thought. There's going to be an end time. There's going to be an end time. Jesus is going to come back and then for seven years, a whole bunch of weird shit will happen. Yeah. Now, we don't believe that anymore, but a lot of people in this country do. And I think the rapture is like pretty broadly believed by – Something something like – and that's what we're going to get into a little bit in this. Like I think the thing that's really interesting to me is that like, yeah, the – there there is a concept of like – God coming back and like bringing all his right. people to heaven. There's the idea of the like the idea of the Antichrist. Yeah, that's in the Bible. Uh-huh. The idea of the tribulation and like the rapture as it is set forth and left behind. That's pretty recent. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to untangle <clears throat> and untangle while I was researching this. So I. Well, I have. A, are we living in the end times right now? There's literally a book called Are We Living in the End Times? I think that's a Hal Lindsey one or one, uh, one of those. Or Tim LaHaye. What's the answer? You know, save everyone some time. Are we living in the end times? Uh, Go. No. No. Okay. <laughs> well, sometimes I do think we are, but that's also what I learned in researching this is everyone fucking thinks they're in the end times, mm. baby. This shit has happened so many times. Like, that was the fun thing when I was researching it is like – Oh, these people were like, well, this person is definitely the Antichrist. And I'm like, oh, Martin Luther? <laughs> you know, the Martin Luther? The Martin Luther. You know, the Pope. Um, And we're not even going to get into, in this episode, all the various people who have been accused of being the Antichrist through time. Like, okay. That'll be a different, because there was just too much going on here. So I couldn't even get into that. But uh this, so my research in this episode takes a lot from a really interesting book that I found called The Last Days Are Here Again, A History of the End Times by a professor named Richard Kyle. And I had the very uh, unique situation of reading this and being like, oh, my God, this is so cool. This is exactly uh-huh. what I'm into. Oh, I'm going to, like, reach out and, like, see if he's still doing stuff. He did. Oh, no. Yeah. R.P. King. Well, because this book was actually written in 1998, which, on one hand, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this book is old. Like, yeah. you know, it's not up to date. But guess what? It's about the past. So that shit's pretty much still the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it still is like, this is how they thought about, you know, the rapture, or, you know, the second coming of Christ in medieval times. Like, and that's just pretty much what's up. It was published after Left Behind. It so. was, but it doesn't talk about Left Behind at all, which Boom. is interesting. But they do talk about Tim LaHaye. Yeah. He does talk about Lynn. No, I think actually this is like. What, what is this guy's take? What's Richard Kyle's take? Is he a evangelical or just a history man? No, so he, so he is a professor at like a religious college, but I, I definitely got the vibe of him. He's like a professor. Got it. He's looking at this academic and he says in the beginning in his intro, like, I'm not trying to say what I think is true. I'm describing how this changed mm-hmm. over time and what different groups of people believed about the end times. And I think that cool, I didn't even actually fit, read the whole book because he also gets into like non-Christian beliefs in the end time and right. like the weird, like, right. you know, like heaven's gate and like all gotcha. these. So, so it's actually, it's, it's a very, very interesting book. When you I, said weird, I was like, uh Oh, we're going to have to cut this part out. And then to no, all our heaven's gates listeners, so we are sorry, sorry but yeah. that shit's weird. No, no, I mean like cult stuff. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> like Pete, because because this is the thing 
any time that you're in a period of social and political upheaval, mm-hmm. people get absolutely bonkers about the end times. Now, that leaves roughly 17 months on the Earth's Ex- yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's surface. Cyclical. It's cyclical. Like, it comes and goes, and it comes right. and goes in slightly different ways, which weirdly kind of was comforting in a way to mm-hmm. me that, like, oh, like – it's both comforting and also exasperating to be like, it's just the same shit yeah. over and over Is again. Is it really – like, no, like not to uh, downplay the tragedy, but it's like, does 9-11 – was 9-11 really bad enough to for us to be like, just like the Black Plague, we too are in the end times? <sighs> well, and you'll, and you'll see. There's actually some pretty interesting uh, coincidences with historical mm-hmm. events happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not during that period, much earlier, around World War One. then I'm like, okay, I kind of get why these people <laughs> did think this shit was going down. Well, let me guess. <laughs> Asteroid. Meteor. No. Comet. No, more like the creation of Israel as a nation. Oh, where? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was happening in, you know, World War One. Yeah. Uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so, yeah. So, I I, uh, I I agonized over getting this right. I really wanted to do uh, do a good job of making sure that I had taken different things into account mm-hmm. when, you know, telling you guys about this. So, I would just say, I'll, 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 again, The Last Days Are Here Again is a book that I use primarily, but I read a lot of other stuff. And I even try, like, I tried to give a fair shake. Some of this stuff is from, like, Christianity Today. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, uh, presenting their argument without, like, yeah, without, it. yeah, exactly. I'm trying to be like, this is how they see them. Well, because, like, we don't believe in the Bible, but no. I would like to be able to untangle how the the Christian yeah. uh, uh, faith sort of sees the the tribulation and and how we get there yeah you know the thing that I love so much about this book too and this is this is why like my our professors in college were Christians yeah but were very harsh mm-hmm. on shitty Christians mm-hmm. and on like misreadings of the Bible and that's the exact same vibe I got gotcha. from like sometimes he'd write a sentence and I'd just be like oh you oh, got their yeah. you got their asses <laughs> man so hopefully well, we, we might read some fun quotes as we're okay, going through cool. this I'm excited so let's freaking dive into it where the hell did this concept of the rapture and tribulation and all this shit and left behind the Bible. come from the Bible I actually I guess kind of no if you take it back far (laughs) enough like the whole idea of like the world ending and blah 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 like that kind of you know, uh, concept has been around in ancient thought forever. Well, anything with a beginning has an end, Jennifer. Oh, and then it just begins the end though, because it's all circle. Times a flat circle. I don't know about that. Bitch. I don't know about that. (laughs) But no, um, there were early ideas about the Christian millennium. Is this a concept that you've like encountered before, Tim? Uh, Yeah, I've heard of the Christian millennium. I don't know. Like if you ask me what it is, I don't know. Yeah, but it sounds like familiar. Like, oh, that's a thing, right? Yeah, like – Spitball in, it's the thousand years after the rapture. That's exactly it. So, but that's the thing. You say after the rapture because you grew up in evangelical church. Yep. Originally, the idea, there wasn't like an idea of a rapture. It was like, oh, there will be a 1,000 year reign of Christ. On earth? Yes, on earth. earth. That was, so like in medieval times, like 1600s, 1700s, it was more, okay, eventually things will happen until God comes back to this earth and we have it a thousand year reign on this earth. Got it. The difference is that dispensationalists, which we'll get into in a second, think that there's a rapture 
And then there's a tribulation. And then the thousand-year reign starts. Got it. So. So it's just, it's, we're arguing about seven years oh, here. Yeah, we're arguing about kind seven of. years, but they kind of like split the event into two. Yeah, because my understanding. And in a very convenient way so that Christians do not have to deal with the rapture. Yeah. with With the tribulation. Well, because like I've, I've always been confused about what the argument is of like, does everyone in heaven stay in heaven or is it just the Christians who are on earth? Because in, in which case – who gives a shit? Why are we yeah. promising this? So the other piece of this is that, you know, if you are waiting for the thousand-year reign of Christ to come, and, and, like, you know, there's prophecy in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, so you get the idea of, like, oh, these certain events need to happen before that goes on. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into this too deep yet because we've got to talk about the man who created this idea, but... Basically, dispensationalism took away the need to be worrying about if all these things happened first, and they made it where, well, God could come back. Jesus could come back at any time. Okay. All these things don't have to happen first. Once Jesus comes back and takes away the Christians, then all that shit will start to go down. Okay. So they kind of, uh, in a smart way, took themselves – because if folks know about the Millerites – the Millerites were a Christian sect in America in, I believe, like 1840-something. <laughs> I forget. But basically, they 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 had some similarities with dispensationalists. They thought God was going to come back. But their leader, um, uh, what is his Miller. name? Miller. Well, his last name is Miller. He calculated and was like, this is Got the day. Yeah, yeah, God's yeah. going to come back. Everyone went out and his little crew, like they sold their shit. They're like standing on their rooftops in their mm-hmm. fancy robes. God doesn't come back. It's very embarrassing. They're like, oh, just kidding. We calculated it wrong. It's going to be on this date. Obviously, it still didn't happen. So that's what I said. So it gets away from the whole date calculation thing that kept making various Christians embarrass themselves. Yeah. <laughs> by being like, it's going to happen at this I time. I think they show that in the beginning of like one season of Leftovers or something that like that. That makes sense. Yeah. So where the hell did this idea come from? The Bible. No. Damn it. Uh, I jokingly titled the show notes for this episode, How One Man's Horse Accident Ruined America. <laughs> and we're going to meet that man right now. Okay, I'm excited. John Nelson Darby King. was an Anglo-Irish Anglican priest. So as far as I can tell, Anglo-Irish means his family is English, but they lived in Ireland. So, you know, that that feels like he, we hate him. Whoa. We hate him for that, for being a freaking... Uh, uh, Colonizer. A, yeah, English dog. Yeah. Um, but he was an Anglican priest, and he was very well known for converting Catholics to Anglicanism. Uh, okay. He... There were a lot... And let me just step back and say... John Nelson Darby, like, when you look up dispensationalism, for the most part, people were like, John Nelson Darby made this. Yeah. He's not the only person that had, like, ideas about this, but he is the person that combined everything into this real coherent system of dispensationalism. So, (laughs) he was born in 1800, became an Anglican priest, and then, this is not a joke, this (laughs) is seriously just what happened. In 1827, I'm actually straight up just going to read to you from the Wikipedia because it's so funny. In October 1827, he fell from a horse and was seriously injured. He later stated that it was during this time that he began to believe that the kingdom described in the book of Isaiah and elsewhere in the Old Testament was entirely different from the Christian church. Whoa. So my man fell off 
off a horse and got thinking. Like, that that laudanum hit different. The laudanum, what? <laughs> yeah, man, like whatever, like lead filled, like mercury yeah. medicine. Yeah, I mean, and also just probably a head wound, right? Like he probably sure. got whacked in the head. He fell sure. off a horse. Yeah, yeah, he was leached a lot, and they bled him, and now he's like. I'm gonna fuck things up. Like maybe his brain wasn't affected by the fall from a horse, but I'm just saying that it seems pretty likely. So he, around this time, he he starts to get really obsessed with trying to figure out. Like now, hold on a second. The Old Testament, God is Me. connecting with Israel. Uh-huh. He's working with Israel. But then the New Testament, he has he's talking about the church and the connection there. Yes. So is the, you know, contract is the contract with the Israelites moot now that the church yeah, is happening. That's always been a weird shift in the Bible. Yeah. So so this is where all the weird shit with evangelicals and Jewish people starts to like happen. Okay. <laughs> starts to percolate here. Because Darby can't understand like how he's supposed to you know, hold both of these things mm-hmm. at the same time that God has made these promises to Christians, but he's also made these promises to the Jewish people. So he comes up with, and well, he also actually first, he gets involved with this group called the Plymouth Brethren. Who, Sick name. Very, very cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, but it's interesting because like, so, this is where some of the things that Darby was into caught on and some didn't. Uh-huh. One of the things that did not catch on as much is that the Plymouth Brethren brethren were like, there actually should not be hierarchy in the church. There shouldn't be like a priest or a okay, pastor. Everyone. So they were more on the um, – isn't that what – not the Amish. Oh, my God. What am I saying? Quakers. Quakers are kind of like you just speak like at your meeting. Yeah. So yeah. They, were, they were very – like they thought that having like that structure was inherently corrupting. Got it. So – They were right. They were right. Um, so, so like that's the thing. Like some some, you know, obviously too, like not like – the Catholic Church is a saint, like, so there's a little bit of, like, weirdness there yeah. of, like, Darby, like, being like, this this system's fucked up. I don't want to be part of this system, where yeah. I'm like, go off, go off, Queen, I, I get you. That, that makes <laughs> sense. But the other shit, not so much. Okay. Um, And I'll say, too, so Darby, you know, became involved with the Plymouth Brethren, like, and the ideas that the Plymouth Brethren and that Darby were espousing... Did not catch on so much in Europe, but they very much did in America. Because uh, we're a nation of sick freaks. We are a nation of – like, honestly, this is truly my conspiracy theory slash just theory is that America was founded on, like, Puritan, like, wackos, and that's why we are the way we Isn't are. Isn't that just fact? <laughs> I, I think it's just really literally yeah. true. So what actually is dispensationalism? It, so, it, America is just, like – Religious sickos and indentured servants and yeah. uh and really slaves, rich people. obviously. Slaves, but also slaveholders. Slaveholders. So we've yeah. got our different – yeah, exactly. The East India Company just being like, we need to set up a business, which is why QAnon is correct right. when they say Do, that America yeah. is just a business and they're going to annul our contract. That will happen. Yeah, the, the, the sovereign citizens are correct in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so let's get a little bit into what this – you know, belief system dispensationalism is. You're going to feel very smart when you get done with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also you're going to be like, what the fuck? This is so stupid. <laughs> Prepare to be the most <laughs> annoying p- person at any party after this. So dispensationalism, when you drill down, is the idea that God deals with different groups differently. He mm-hmm. deals with each dispensation in a specific way. 
So there's, he has, he came up with an idea of seven dispensations. I'm not going to tell you like the dates of everything, but I will read the names of them out to you because it's like, yeah, this is some real like evangelical bullshit. So the seven dis, actually, Tim, can you read what our seven dispens- dispensations are? Okay. Okay. Here are the seven dispensations, gang. Innocence, conscience, human government, promise, law, grace, and kingdom. I know less now than I did two seconds ago. <laughs> well, the the important thing you need to know, like, what is dispensation? What's a dispensation? Like, I googled it, and the Oxford Dictionary says it's a noun, so we love in that. Yeah, exemption from a rule or unusual. Requirement. So, like, so, so Tim, you can't get drafted because you're flat-footed. So Tim, That's a dispensation. I think it's really funny that you just keyed in on that, too, because when I was doing my initial research, I also went off on a whole, like, because dispensation means, like, four different things. Mm. Like, dig in a little deeper into the different... A system of order, government, organization of a... No, that doesn't make any sense. No. So it's either a government or the way you get out of being drafted in the Vietnam War. Well, but it kind of is. Basically, but, but think of it as like a, a, a contract almost. Like gotcha. In this era from, you know, so, yeah, the birth a, of Christ till 50 AD, we're in this dispensation. There's a, there's a, this is the way that God uh, like, deals with those people. So like one dispensation is like if you have flat feet, you're treated like this. But if the, the – This time. It's all time. Mm-hmm. So like for instance, okay. like law, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, law is like Old Testament. So like they had to follow the law in order to get to heaven. I don't want to be rude, but why is law number five? I don't know. So innocence is like Adam and Eve. That's the very first one. How are they innocent? They're they in, talk to God. They That's were, not fair. They were, but they were innocent. They didn't know about sin. They didn't oh, know about nudity. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, so too conscious is like post-apple. Exactly. Exactly. And exactly. Then and somewhere then, between two and three, all of Adam and Eve's children fuck each other. Yes. And we get human government. Yes. And then promise is where they sort of be like, there will be a Messiah. So that's Old Testament. Yeah. And law like, is also still Old Testament. Promise is like... Pre Ten Commandments, yeah, Got maybe it. I don't know. Honestly, again, it doesn't really matter that much. Just the the key thing, though. How dare you? Well, if you want to get into it, <laughs> five and six seem to be the important parts. Five and six are the important parts because remember, seven is kingdom. We're not there yet. That's the millennium. That's the that's the millennium. That's, that's going to happen. That's the juiciness. That's the exactly. the rapture, the apocalypse, yada yada yada. But what John Nelson Darby like the way that he realized he could like make this work is like oh. So the Jewish people are under the law dispensation. Mm. Like they, like God promised them that he would always take care of them. Like, and all those promises still hold. But also Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. So people can just get saved and be straight to God. But that doesn't negate the contract that God made with the Jewish people. So in his mind, does that mean that Jewish people still go to heaven because they're under their own dispensation? Or is this a whole different, like, this is why before they could go to heaven and now they can't? I I think it's a little wibbly-wobbly. Okay. And they're honestly, like, I think that once... The oh, horse pills didn't quite hit them that hard. No, so no yeah, exactly, up. exactly, yeah. But I think it's more that, like, once the rapture happens and the tribulation starts... Then it's like, okay, well, you got to get saved now if you're mm. still hanging around. And that's the whole, remember, like the 144,000 converts yeah, and blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's how that all ends up working out. So the dispensation idea is obviously like the main part of like what gives dispensationalism its name. Mm-hmm. But there are many other pieces of it that are like, this is what most dispensationalists believe. Yeah, it was interesting because uh, we we're talking about it in our Patreon Discord 
And some people are asking, like, what is dispensationalism? And shout out to Bapperson in the Discord, who uh, knows a ton yes, about yes. all this all yeah, this stuff. And yeah, Bappers has been been with us in the dispensationalism mind. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I was basically just be like, yeah, it just means they believe in the left behind bullshit. And then Bapperson basically set, laid out all the shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't see the rapture in here. So it's super interesting that yeah. that's that might not be what it is, but that's what it means depending on that's exactly. who you're talking. Well, to. that's the thing because it's, it's funny because it's like well, no one, none of no one at like your average Baptist church. Knows really what dispensationalism is. No one would say, is. yeah, people that believe 110% the left behind breakdown, they're, most of them are not going to say they're dispensationalists. No, they don't, they don't even know what that fucking means. It, Cause that's the thing. Like, this is like the general framework that sets it up, but they're just caring about the end result of it. Got it. So. That's so fucking weird. I, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. How did this well, get through other than like this? I don't, but here's the reason. I'm getting well, mad. No, no, I know. <laughs> and we're going to get into it because there is a reason why it became so popular. Because, I mean, remember well, it's earlier. It's an answer, right? It's an answer. And there are other reasons for it. But, like, the whole thing of, like, and oh. it's just true. The, uh, yeah. And it's just literally going to happen. <laughs> uh, but, no, like, the whole thing of, like, oh, we don't have to worry about, like, oh, these specific historical events need to happen before God comes back. I could just be like, God could come back any day. Yeah. That, people like that. Yeah. People latch onto it. So, I mean. It's kind of interesting to think about because this happened in the the year uh, sometime between you know the year eighteen hundred and then horse accident in eighteen twenty seven or whatever. Yeah. But this this vague vibe of like the historical connection to how fucked everything yeah. on the planet was. Oh my god, absolutely! It's and so deeply connected. Like I'm to listening that. to the Chapo Trap House Hell on Earth series. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. is basically just about. You know, uh, uh, Protestants and Catholics killing each other, aka the Thirty Years' War. Yeah, and it's so interesting to me the fact that like you would be a Protestant and like Prague, and then if like a Catholic, you would just kill all your Catholic neighbors. Yeah, because you're so so scared about your soul that the you're like, I've got to do it. I got to purge them. Yada yada yada. And I, obviously, that still happened and happens. But I I, I wouldn't doubt that this vibe of like god will take care of this yeah eased a little bit of the tensions and probably 17 other reasons too i i actually like my i had one of those like what i could only describe is like galaxy brain moments when i was reading the beginning of the the, the book that i'm talking about in this because i was also listening to the chop a trap house you know series on the 30-year war and it was so exactly like working with each mm-hmm. other i just felt like every like neuron in my brain was like firing <laughs> at once like yes this is good shit so uh i recommend listening to that it's interesting it's not it's not like really it doesn't get into dispensationalist stuff no. but it does they get into get, quakers it, they get into Qua- they, it gives a lot of context for the earlier stuff which i don't get into again like really what i'm talking about starts in 1800s but there's a lot of really interesting shit before yeah. that like the, like martin luther like he sure. was like i don't even think revelation should be in the bible yeah i mean if you think about <laughs> it he like literally like i think that's so funny because i think if you go to your average baptist church they'd be like oh yeah martin luther we love that guy the 95 theses mm-hmm. you know fuck the catholic church yeah fuck him. and it's like yeah he thought revelation was like bad <laughs> He did not think that Christians like needed to be thinking about that shit. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's it's super like historic, historic about all this stuff, and it's also somewhat helpful as someone that lives in 2023 to kind of zoom out a little bit. You know yes, what I'm saying? Yes. To be like, and, wait, yeah, how did this happen? Because <laughs> like all the shit could not have happened without Martin Luther. This very specific aspect of it couldn't happen without uh 
whatever you said is Darby. John Nelson Darby. D- Darby Allen. From Darby Allen. Allen. God, I wish it was Darby <laughs> Allen. Be better. And, you know, it, it makes me feel a little bit better because to some extent, like, I don't think we can attri- attribute the <laughs> people stop murdering each other in Christianity the same way no. uh, to him. But, like, it's kind of interesting to think that, like, this helped. And it, for the next 200 years, it, it helped everyone kind of cool off. And then 100 years later, something else will happen. Now, obviously, it's not him, but, I'm, right. but part of my brain is like, did this person do more good? Because you're not gonna, there's not gonna be a guy that comes up and be like, hey guys, <sighs> check it out. The Bible's fake and shit. That they're not, that's not gonna take seed in the well, 1800s. Kind of. So this is actually, so, so this taking hold actually is somewhat of a backlash against people starting to be like, let's examine the Bible in a historical way. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, maybe this was not like literally true, but is, you know, a- an allegory or whatever. Like looking at the Bible in a historic way, like, th- yeah, it became popular partially because people were like, I don't like that. I want to, <laughs> I want to think that supernatural shit is happening. Got it. So. The key beliefs that dispensationalists, like, other than the whole, like, weird dispensation thing, which, again, doesn't really, like, have any impact on the day-to-day. It more just gives the kind of, like, framework for everything. But the main things that dispensationalists believe are, number one most important, literal interpretation of scripture, including Old Testament prophecy. And they believe that everything in the New Testament reaffirms messages from the Old Testament. So this is where we start to get some, like, ooh, the way that Christians, like, interact with Jewish people and Jewish texts is fucked. Because they're like, mm. oh, yeah, your little texts, well, ours, like, carried them to the future, and they're actually correct. Right. And yours are, you're the, like, you're the, the pre- prequel. You're the prequel. Exactly. And, and actually, even, like, the Torah and the Old Testament, mm-hmm. like the translations are different too. Like there's differences there. So <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Um, but when dispensationalists, when evangelicals are talking about a literal interpretation of scripture, they basically are saying that if it is at all possible to take something literally, take it literally. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Li- like if, you know, like, they're talking about obviously like allegorical stuff. That's fine. And they are like, well, Revelation is obviously referring to future things. But that, and, that, and that's a whole conversation too. There was a lot of really intense debate in the church like throughout centuries of is Revelation talking about something that's already happened? Mm-hmm. Is Revelation talking about something that will happen in our time? Is Revelation talking about something that's happening in the future? Dispensationalists believe that essentially – Everything in Revelation, except for like the very, very beginning where they're talking about those specific churches, mm-hmm. is in the future. Interesting. Is stuff in the future. That sounds like a future bonus episode. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, that's – yeah. That Again, very difficult to get into this because I just keep like researching. I'm like, oh, my God. I accidentally have written like 20 pages. Yeah. That's, that's the problem this. is there's so many different – branches and the interesting thing of like because this isn't a what do people believe about revelation no 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 this is like how did left like how did we get the left behind yeah so in addition to literal interpretation of scripture uh as i have been talking about a very big distinction between israel slash jewish people and the church like and it's a very big focus on like ethnic national Israel versus the church, a.k.a. 
Christians. And in mm. their mind, the church began in the book of Acts. Because, like, wasn't that, like, a big thing probably for you, like, growing up? Like, oh, like, the Acts was, you know, the book of Acts details, like, the early church. This is, like, the beginning of the church. Now, I've completely blanked. What is Acts? The book of Acts? Yeah. Is it Old Testament or New Testament? New Testament. That's where, like... like Acts feels like uh, an Old uh, Testament name. Like book, Ananias and Sapphira, you know, like, like the, uh, Paul doing shit. That's, Got like, it. all the early church shit. Yeah, I would agree to that. I would yeah. agree to that. I guess the thing that, like, fucked me up later is, like, everything in the Bible is, like, 80 years after Jesus died. That's yeah. Not, that's not true, but, like... Well, it's in like, the New Testament. Yeah. I'm not super wrong. Um, well, actually... It actually is it, about 80 years, it pretty but, much like, is correct. the top, everything that's written. Yeah. yeah so it, basically what I'm saying, like, the addendum we're doing here is that yeah. a lot of the Bible is written secondhand. Yes. Not by the actual Marks, yes. Lucas, and John. Yes. And yes. that was about 80 years after. Yes. Give or take 30. Yeah, exactly. So literal interpretation of scripture, distinction between Israel and the church, and then they believe in a rapture. And that this is, like – I mean, different. I think, I it's think, interesting. I think there's something different between Israel and the church. Feels like Israel, per the Bible, is yeah. just uh, the it, people like that God chose. Like it's kind of logical. Like it's kind of logical. Like of course he's going to keep his promises. Right. Well, he's not going to break his promise. They say sometimes, and what I like to refer to as the Old Testament, as the uh, someone's coming, and mm-hmm. I do sort of forget now. Messiah. Okay, Messiah is that just that is no, it's the Hebrew word. Yeah. So like that's what we definitely latched onto, and I haven't really like sifted through the memory cortex to be like, what part of the Old Testament actually says Jesus is coming versus do we pick and choose? Yeah, so Isaiah and Daniel are the big, like, areas that have, like, prophetic... Uh, I think there's some other ones, too. Again, this is, like, a whole other, like, episode we can get into. Weird, when they're in captivity. I don't know about Isaiah. Well, no, Isaiah was, too, I believe. Uh, which goes to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, which is apocalyptic thinking Weird. is always like super rampant when shit is bad. Same with witch burnings. I mean, yeah. And actually, a thing that I studied in um, undergrad was Zoroastrianism, mm-hmm. which heavily influenced uh, Judaism. It's or, the OG. Um, well, it is because that's like actually where some of these like apocalyptic ideas. I'll do a whole, maybe we'll do a whole other episode on like apocalyptic literature because I think it's so interesting. I want to give it up for Zoroastrians. Uh, dude, again, don't even get me started. I <laughs> wrote, I wrote a whole paper about Zoroastrianism in undergrad. And we it should got, find and some it got, papers. And it got published. That's, in, wh- that's why we told our parents Jennifer couldn't take my last name. Yeah, because I had already published papers under my name in, a, in, in an academic journal that like nobody will read. Uh, don't, don't, <laughs> don't belittle yourself, Queen. <laughs> also, we just didn't give a shit, but still. yeah, we didn't really give a shit. But so that, I honestly think that paper was good, and I would, I, I actually might even have it. That feels like good Patreon content. Yeah, I'll Jennifer have to reads her entire paper I, as I, I laugh and we clink our our, our dude, cocktail glasses. Like honestly, like I my my undergrad thesis, like I every now and then I'll like end up like going to look at it. And I'm like, it's pretty good. Actually. I fucking rock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so really uh, uh, continue. This is super yeah. interesting to me. Okay. So yeah. So literal torture for dispensationalism. Literal interpretation of scripture, distinction between Israel and the church, mm-hmm. belief in the rapture that is separate from the second coming of Christ, because that's the whole thing, is like Jesus is gonna suck all the Christians up to heaven, seven year tribulation, then the second the real second coming of Christ. Because Christ doesn't Jesus doesn't come down for the rapture. He just sucks up to heaven. Yeah, I've and heard And then Jesus comes back. I've heard that he like comes into our atmosphere is like, what's up? And we see like a shimmer. Right, right. You see like a little shimmer and then yeah, he goes back up. So you yeah. don't really see him. 
Um, so so con- connected to that, the rapture, and then they believe in premillennialism, which is a future thousand-year reign of Christ. So everything after – or everything about the end times here, that that seems like new good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but was that a – maybe this is like the rest of the episode. But like is that something that existed before that they are now putting together? That is – so the idea of – like a rapture versus like the millennium is starting. That's new here. Okay. That's like where Darby Plymouth brethren are coming up with that ship. Yeah. So again, this is so Darby coming from Ireland slash England, 1800s. But what happened? Well, actually, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself really quick. <laughs> so what other parts of Darby's ideas are popular? Cause again, I think I, I want to stress <laughs> That people did not just say, oh, John Nelson Darby, you're like my new preacher. I'm going to believe everything you believe. Cause they right. didn't, cause when Darby was like, I don't think there should be hierarchy in churches, they were like, fuck that. We don't care. <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't care about paid. that part. We, don't care, don't we don't only care about the part about a rapture because that sounds cool. So and he's fun. probably like writing pamphlets and shit like that. Well, what was actually happening was he came to America and Ooh. preached extensively and there were all these like, Weird little, like, conferences happening. Oh, weird. Because, you know, 1800s, like, nothing the fuck is going on. So they'd be like, we're going to hold an event. Like They're like, the Civil War is going to start soon. We got a couple years to fill. Yeah. Well, I think this is actually maybe later. I think he didn't come to America. Well, I think we'll get to that in the notes. So, so let me sit back for a second. <laughs> the Civil War just happened. We don't have anything else going we don't on. Anything going on. So time, time to get really wild about mm-hmm. the return of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, but like I said, the thing that really caught on about Darby's ideas, people loved the idea of an imminent return of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, Tim, but like that was such a present thing in my family and like around like people that I knew growing up would be like, oh, well, Jesus could come back at any time. And like, yeah. oh, if he doesn't take us, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like it, I, people like that idea. They love it. Yeah. In the same way that I'm like, Maybe if shit gets really bad, the Vulcans will come <laughs> and make first contact with us. Yeah. And like fix our problems. It's a, uh, it's, uh, something to look forward to. Yeah. If no, it's like, so bad. Seriously, you look around the world, everything's fucking shit, and you're like, but God's gonna take me up. Because to didn't, like, we're talking about the church. Yeah. In, in like, you know, in Acts was like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like, I, I, I they were persecuted. Heard, they actually were persecuted. I even heard that, like, the disciple disciples were like, Jesus is coming back, baby. Oh, no, no, absolutely. They're going to, he's going to rapture they us. They thought that was happening, like, in their generation. Yeah. And thus, <laughs> all the issues going forward. Because this is the thing. And, and, and this is why I couldn't stop thinking about while I was researching and, like, working on this. It's like, this is just going on again. They're baking. It, it's, they're baking. They're like, Oh, my prediction didn't work. Well, I have a reason for why that prediction didn't work. Actually, I miscalculated or like, yeah. uh, or I'm just gonna ignore it. I don't care. I've never thought of it that way of like, just the idea. Cause it sounds like they would just, one, they're getting murdered all over the goddamn place. So they had to hide. Cause they were a minority group that was like, we should give to the poor and like, fuck other gods. And the Romans are like, mm, we don't like that. Yeah. You guys are causing problems. You guys are so far away. So we have You're to just... actually very annoying. <laughs> You're so very... We're, we're going to fucking kill you. The Visigoths you. were like kind of focused on, so we're just going to murder you guys. No big book. Yeah. But like, they're just probably talking all day. Yeah. And then like 80 years later, the, one of the kids that was in there was like, oh yeah, this is what Mark said. So mm-hmm. Mark was probably just like, 
going off and like yeah 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 i know i said that jesus is coming back i'm his brother i think or that and then james is like i think that's me and like started arguing not important but like it just blows my mind because it feels like when we see like uh christian movies yeah and stuff like that everything they say is scripture yes so you see jesus just be like give to caesar what is caesar yeah yeah, yeah, and shit like that but Jesus probably said a whole bunch of shit. Like, he had to talk. He had to, like, well, much like a podcaster, he had to fill that air. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And again, can we just bring up that Jesus was, like, a dude hanging out with 12 guys and, like, washing their feet. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, you know. That's what we do. Huh? <laughs> Jesus is probably gay. Uh, Jesus hung out with sex workers. He did hang out with sex workers. That's and true. husky, husky fishermen. Yeah. Why are so many fishermen? Not important. Uh, Please probably because Jesus is a homosexual. <laughs> um, but no, it's – yeah, I, I, I think that the fact that Christianity started as a very minority, like, persecuted religion is very interesting. And our common day, which is very much – not persecuted, but they mm-hmm. still carry that. Like I'm persecuted. It's yeah. like, well, that is we how you're. That, that's how your shit started, but it's not been that way for quite some time. So, as I said, the whole Jesus coming back without like specific historical events having to happen first, very popular. Um, and like I was talking about earlier too, like according to Darby. Most of Revelation, the book of Revelation, is talking about shit that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ideas about, like, what Revelation is and means and, like, whether it was, like, oh, this was written for the early church about a specific thing or, oh, no, this is all an allegory, like, it's whatever. It's the Nero. Dark, the rise Nero. Or, or it's just about the general concept of struggling, blah, blah, Right, right. But I know Dar- you're being murdered everybody, yeah. guys, but check this fan fiction out. But to Darby, he's like, no, no, no. This is this – is is prophecy this will happen in the future so how did these ideas get to america though so before dispensationalism became popular in america the most prominent framework that most americans believed in was post-millennialism and actually tim can you read this quote from uh The last days are here again, a history of the end times. I would love to. On the whole, this strand of millennialism lacked apocalyptic qualities. It did not see the world ending anytime soon. Rather, the gospel would penetrate society and life on earth would gradually improve until Christ returned. That's interesting. This is, I, this was fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the, the key difference 
between like your current like dispensationalist folks and people who don't think that way dispensationalism is inherently pessimistic. They're like, shit's not going to get better. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's it's true. only going to get worse. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Like, and it makes so much sense. It does The make way so much that sense. people are acting now because they're like, well, there's no point to save the earth. It's going to be destroyed. Who could fucking care? Yeah. Versus before people were like, well, we're improving as a society and eventually we'll just keep improving and improving until God's like, I'll come back because you guys have figured it out. There's a reason to strive for better because exactly. we'll eventually hit exactly this version of Nirvana. Versus dispensationalists are like, they need it to be bad. They need the world to be bad. I don't like this. Yeah. Anymore. I'm going to – everything I said about this being good, I'm, I'm no, taking it's very back. bad. I'm taking that back actually. So keep throwing uh, uh, isms and ists and blah, blah, blah. When fundamental, so fundamentalism is a different concept mm-hmm. than dispensational, very connected, but fundamentalism, um, is that like we're reading the Bible and it's plain text. We're only going by what the word says. We're not going by history, blah, 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 blah. So in the late 1800s, you know, you're seeing a lot of progress, like in, philosophy and like psychology mm-hmm. and medicine and science like you know uh, uh the concept of like evolution like becomes a thing like yeah. there there starts to become a lot more science so you have the people the mainline protestants who are like yes we will continue to like be christian but we're going to look at it from like a historic way and like you know academically mm-hmm. and then you have the people that are like Fuck that shit. <laughs> I, that's not what my Bible says. Right. So you get that reactionary. Like, so there's the fundamentalism shit, like the strain going because of like, oh, like progress is happening, you know? Like, yeah. Evolution like, exists. The, industrial the, the revolution. Industrial revolution. You know, like, you know, we're, we're, automation. We're, yeah. We're jumping leaps and bounds from where we were before. Exactly. So we discovered oil. So you kind of have those two, like we're looking forward to the future and like, we don't like this future that's going on. Interesting. Um, my name's Rockefeller and I'm trying to get my money now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I'm going to read a quote quickly from uh, the book. But while fundamentalism is primarily a religious phenomenon, it can also be seen as a social reaction to the forces of modern urbanized industrialized America. Fundamentalism's confrontational approach to the modern world has promoted an apocalyptic outlook within its ranks. So, again, back to lots of shit is changing. And people yeah. are like, oh, fuck. I'm stressed. Everything's changing. Jesus Christ. We must be entering the end of the world. Which kind of makes me feel less bad now. Exactly. That's exactly. We're compressing exactly. all this shit over the course of like, oh, before you experienced this eight times – uh, well, before you, you didn't experience it, your grandparents yeah. did, and then your great, 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 great grandchildren did. Now, us living today, we experience it every th- three days. Yes. Type shit. Yes. It's like the human mind is not meant to deal with this, like, rate of, of change. Yeah. Um, so, from about 1859 to 1872, John Nelson Darby is like, how about I go preach in America? <laughs> Was he like getting persecuted at all? No, or? no, people love that shit. Like that, it, it, it was in, like, a, in in Europe. I think it was. Le- I think it was where he was invited Got to it. America. He's like, I'm it, trying to get paid. Well, because they 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 again, like I was saying, 
shit's boring mm-hmm. in the 1800s. So they'd be like, we are having a conference about prophetic things or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So he just, you know, he came, he'd like tour around, like speak at the conferences, speak at different churches, like whatever. And the idea of like a religious co- conference, like a, oh, they did here's it a your lot. name badge, yes. you know, here's your goodie bag. Oh my God. They were doing it so that's much. Cool. That That's a whole other area that I would love to do more research into, honestly. <laughs> that's why like, you can just imagine me, you guys know me. I'm getting a little bit high and like researching and being like, oh my God. And I haven't even gotten into the thing that I really want to go off on. We're about to get into it soon. But yeah, like the, the 1800s, there were a lot of different like kind of like academic religious conferences. So so he starts to speak like yeah. fairly like often like he, he, I would kill to be able to see what this looked like. Oh my God. Absolutely. Like really, really interesting. So his, his, the ideas that he is bringing start to kind of catch on in America. But I, I want to, again, stress, it wasn't like people listened to Darby talk and were like, we're following Darby. They're right. like, we like your ideas about the whole like rapture shit. Your stuff about the churches, we don't care about that. So we're going <laughs> to ignore that. Then another, so, so I almost see this, think of this as like different vectors, like going out and like spreading this. Like the last of us. I mean, yeah, honestly, yes. So John Nelson Darby is what, doing his little preaching in America. Then you might recognize his name, Dwight Moody. Does that ring a bell to you? Moody Institute of Bible, baby. So Dwight Moody was a, a, um, evangelist that was very popular in the late 1800s. And so this is the thing, too, because, like, some of this is very – it's decentralized. It's not like there's a group of people that are like, right. we are trying to make this spread. Because if you they would have followed Darby, it sounds like it would have been a cult and fizzled out. Right. But that's not what happened. But instead, they everyone's going up, to these conferences and being like, oh, I like that, oh, idea. I like that idea. Yeah. I'm going to take it back. Exactly. And, and, and like, I'm, oh, I'm going to spread it. I'm going to teach yeah. it at my church. So Dwight Moody picks up this idea about the pre-millennial return of Christ, which, again, remember before – it used to be the thought that, oh, Christ will come back and immediately set up his 1,000-year reign right. on Earth versus what Darby and proposed was that there's a rapture and then after that. And we're nowhere near the seven no. years. Like, Well, the, no. The, to the them, argument. they're saying we could be. God could come back at any time. Well, no, I mean like in, in the math. There's like – it doesn't sound like what you're saying is the tribulation is happening. It's like either A, Jesus shows up or B, we kind of like – Evolve. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So in the, in the two different concepts. Yeah. For the people who believe in the idea of a rapture, they they think it could happen at any time. So now, like, we're move, moving Jesus, well, maybe even from coming back at all to point blank coming back. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we have now. Yeah. Dwight Moody starts, you know. I hate him. Uh, well, <laughs> you're going to get smart. So <laughs> Dwight Moody starts preaching about the you know, premillennial return of Christ and a lot of other evangelists start catching on. Like, evangelism becomes, like, a big thing. Again, remember, they didn't have shit to do back then. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, the preacher, he's, he's this guy's going to come talk. We're going to go listen to it. Yeah. Um, then, this is the part that I really could have got, and I hopefully will do a whole episode on this. <laughs> then came the Schofield Reference Bible. Does this ring a bell to you, Tim? I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah. So this is, like, very much a an established thing. So it was first published in 1909. So now we're bringing ourselves into the 20th century, Mm -hmm. from the 1800s to the 1900s. (laughs) Cyrus Ingerson Schofield. Invented spicy food. 
<laughs> the Scofield, yes, the Scofield, the Scofield scale of spicy, uh, end times <laughs> and peppers. But no, he was the person who drafted the Scofield reference Bible. And my dude, straight up a grifter from what I can tell. King. Like, it's actually really funny. King. He abandoned his wife and child. And was imprisoned for forgery. And that's when he had his quote-unquote conversion. I'm say it again, King. You know, don't tie him down. That's what I say. So, again, he was not, like, really a trained minister. He was, like, a, something. I don't even know what he did before. But while he was in prison, he was like, I've decided to become a minister. Professional huckster. <laughs> he is a professional huckster. I found the funniest website of this, like, one, like, kind of, like, researcher, like, maybe minister kind of guy, but, like, obviously had, like, academic training. Mm -hmm. And he had a fucking vendetta against Cyrus Ingerson <laughs> Schofield. He was like, this man is a grifter. <laughs> He's a liar. And so I really almost, like, went down a hole, like, just talking to this but guy. It feels like all of this stuff are the Jenga pieces to our modern day. So 100%. I guess, like, kind of got to give it up to folks. Being like, well, no, Schofield fucking sucks. But it's like, dude, what else is, like, based off Schofield. Well, here's the thing, and this is why I, I think that the thing that really like makes my brain explode is how these really tiny choices have ripple effects. Yeah, it's like, crazy across history. The reason why the Schofield Reference Bible became so influential is because he was the first person to like make notes like on the same page of the Bible. Interesting. So it'd be like you know. Like a little like postscript, like note one, and you'd go down and see his notes. So people couldn't remember what's from the Bible and what's from Schofield's notes. Huh. So they're like, this is real. This is what the Bible says. It's like, no, that's what Schofield said in his notes of the Bible that you read. King? Yeah. Tim, can you actually read this quote from the book? Please? I would love to. Schofield placed his notes and biblical text on the same page. As a result, his comments often acquired the authority of Scripture, capital S. Readers often failed to remember where the first encounter of a particular idea in Schofield's notes or in the biblical texts. Cool. So, yeah. So the first version of the Schofield Reference Bible comes out in 1909. They do another version of it, I think, about 10 so years. So this is like them just like reading Twitter, a.k.a. the Bible, and be like, I read an article. And they're like, yeah, and like, I think it means this. But it's like, no, you yeah. saw you read Schofield being like, this is big if true. And Schofield had picked up and absorbed through, you know, various ways mm -hmm. this whole dispensation because it had started to become more popular because people like Dwight Moody and other evangelists were preaching it. And I assume Darby's so, dead at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure he is. So, so that's, I, I kind of thought of it as like, there's, there's the oral, like A-U-R-A-L. Is there a better way to say that word? It's not oral. Aural. Aural. Oral. Aural. Oral. Like through your ear. So there's there's like people auditory. speaking. There's auditory <laughs> vector and there's a written vector. So the auditory vector is all the evangelists Actually, speaking. The first one is oral and oral. Uh, it's oral and oral. So there's the oral vector of people preaching. And then there's the written vector of Scoville Reference Bible. And it's like you're a family. Like I'm pretty sure – I don't know if we had a Schofield. There's another one of those reference Bibles like that that mm -hmm. we had. Like, so, so you're hearing it when you're going to, you know, your various, like, revival events, yeah. tent events. That was a whole thing that was going on, too. And then you also have it in your home Bible. Like, oh, we have the Schofield reference Bible to help us understand the Bible. It says this, so we should follow it. So that starts to trickle out from there. At this point... 
once the Schofield Bible starts to kind of pop off, mm. other things start to pop off yeah, in the world, such as World War One. Yeah, I feel like the first 20 years, something big happens. Yeah. And again, so in the world, if you're – if you're a dispensationalist and you know, like, okay, there's God's got like his contract with Christians, mm-hmm. but he's also got his ship with Israel and mm-hmm. like what's going on there. If you're a person who kind of believes these things and the Balfour Declaration of 1917 happens, that is crazy. So the Balfour Declaration is a public statement by the British government during World War One announcing their support for the establishment of a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. So this like sets off everything. They're like, oh fuck, it's starting to happen because in their minds they're like, well, God is having, you know, this, this connection with Israel. He's going to bring them back to their mm-hmm. homeland. And that's what's going to pop off and start the end times. Interesting. And there's a war and there's World War One happening. And there's like the worst war. The worst war that has ever happened. So that's where like, the people that are alive in this time period, I kind of, yeah, I, I kind of get why you'd be like, uh, I guess prophecies are coming true now. Yeah, I uh, shout out to World War One, folks. That oh you God. guys do deserve to believe you're in the no. Times. World War One was so bad, and like so, so like on a completely different scale than anything before that. Yeah, first modern war. You I know? mean, it was crazy. So, yeah, so, but, but at this point still. Motherfuckers rolled out on horses with bright ass red coats as motherfuckers are like, yeah. I'm gonna bomb you from a mile away. We have the technologies yeah. now. So, but at this point still, dispensationalism is still pretty confined, or confined to evangelicals. And evangelicals are not a huge slice mm. of Christians in America. Interesting. At this point. See, isn't that funny to think about? Cause mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, there's always been this many. Yeah, no, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, yeah. Because you'll you'll hear uh, talking people talk about mainline Protestants. That's your you know your your Lutherans, like your Methodists, like you know the normal ones, the cool guys, the cool guys. So at this point, evangelicals are still a pretty small slice of Christians in America. So we know now that's not the case. So how the fuck? How do we get here? Did it become so prominent? Uh, Tim, can you please read this quote? How did dispensationalism come out of its subculture into the national spotlight? Most obvious is the use of modern media. The premillennialists became masters of TikTok. And no, it doesn't say that! <laughs> the premillennialists became masters of mass communication. They skillfully expressed their views to a popular audience through mass market TikToks no! <laughs> Paperbacks, radio, television, movies, and video cassettes. <sighs> Doesn't it make you just feel sick? I don't understand this, what this means. I don't like it to see it. What they mean is that literally they just got the fucking message out. They were like, oh, we can communicate with people via the radio. Yeah. We can communicate via TV, via paperback books, via movies, via television, via like order from home VHSs. They saw that so early. Are they like selling stuff? Like yes. yield timey, like get your ether tinctures, but no, also buy your. Not like it's not connected. I don't think it's more just that, like, again, remembering that, like, what do people have to do for fucking entertainment? Yeah, so maybe they're at a conference and like take my 
paper. You can record yeah. my here's my whatever the fuck I'm listening to. And remember, this is this is like a, a the first podcasters. This is looking back from a little bit later. So this is like in the time period. Like this yeah. is not like just like 19, 1918. <laughs> this is like up through like the 1990s. Yeah. Like evangelical Christians in this vein, they knew how to use you know mass media. Was there <laughs> Uh, from your research, was there a tipping point where it became subculture to culture? So I think that after World War II, it really po- – and then like the 60s, 70s, like that was when it – 60s, 70s is when it really mm. like exploded. But after World War II is when it started to to spread a little bit more, I think. Um, another important, I keep using like vector because I, I do mean it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I know I, I'm not even joking because again, <laughs> even in, in the book, uh, he talks about how like this, this like in times hysteria is like a virus. Like sure. it is. Sure. And, and again, I keep drawing connections to QAnon because it's the same <laughs> shit. Like, oh, like some people think about it and it catches on and it, and it really is like a virus. So another vector. <laughs> in addition to modern media, was Dallas Theological Seminary. So a lot of the big names that you know, like Hal Lindsey, who was like one of the big dudes who popularized, he wrote a book called Late Great Planet Earth. That was like one of the big tipping points of getting people to be like, oh, there's going to be a rapture. There's okay. an end times, blah, okay. blah, blah. He went to Dallas Theological Seminary. So there's all these preachers, teachers going to Dallas Theological Seminary Learning about dispensationalism and then spreading it to yeah. the congregation. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> it was even in the book that I was reading, someone called it, called Dallas Theological Seminary, the Vatican of the dispensationalist movement. Okay. So it really is, it's like a very much a hotbed of what's going on there. So that, so we have, we've got all general mass media, like your mm-hmm. radio, mm-hmm. like all that shit's going on, all the different people going to Dallas. You know, theological seminary and then right. disseminating that to their congregations. Then you have in the 60s and 70s the whole moral majority bullshit. Yeah. So that's where the evangelicals became connected with the Republicans. Cool. And results in people like Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, Tim LaHaye. And so all those people, it's like ramping up, ramping up, ramping up Ugh. until this time period. So how Lindsay, as I said – Dallas Theological Seminary graduate wrote in 1970 the book The Late Great Planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And that like really spurred people on to being like, oh shit, prophecy's cool as hell. Yeah. Like, what's up with yeah. prophecy? Yeah. I mean, I get it, right? Like, we are starting to have technology and the yeah. fact that like we can think about the end of the world and all that stuff. <laughs> and Very sci fi. And speaking of that, that's also the general time period that threat of nuclear war becomes mm-hmm. a huge true, issue. True. So again, everyone's getting up to this fever pitch of fear about the, like, oh my God, we could literally, the world could end. Yeah. We can explode each other. <laughs> um, which is interesting because <laughs> if you're a dispensationalist, you're like, but we don't care mm-hmm. because we're going to be snatched away before everything gets really bad. Right. We don't care about what happens to the earth. You guys can do your nuclear holocaust. We're going to be in heaven. <laughs> yeah. I, I There's literally a quote from Jerry Falwell that just like absolutely like slapped me in the face that feels like it explains so much of what's going on in politics now. He said, we see no hope in politics, in the business world, in education, in the world of medicine. But there is hope and it is in the second coming of Christ. Cool. 
Yeah. So it's like, this is why the right wing does not fucking care about climate change. Why they don't care about, mm-hmm. you know, Norfolk Southern fucking crashing their trains and like poisoning everything. Yeah. Because they're like, well, we don't care about the world because we're going to heaven and then God's going to like And in fact, the more it, bullshit that happens exactly. on the planet is going to bring the rapture sooner. It's going to bring the rapture sooner and also punish all those non-Christians. Yep, Fuck them. They're they going to get a it. fucked up earth. We yeah. don't care. Me, me being a, a Christian billionaire poisoning their water, they deserve it because they're not Christians. Yes. Even though I'm, I've killed an entire youth group or something like that. Yes. So, all that to say, dispensationalism specifically is like a very specific thing that only started in the 1800s. But the whole idea of like end times, like infecting, that is that's happened forever Mm -hmm. the whole cycles of like getting into a fervor about the end times like that just happens over and over and over again but the idea of dispensationalism that is new so i think that's we're like trying to like find that like fine line between like like yeah the concept of the antichrist has existed for a long time that's not a new concept it's just that the way that left behind presents it is very new. And I think because there's enough overlap of stuff that's been around for a long time with this new stuff, people think, oh, this has always been around. Yeah, definitely. And it's not. Or, you know, the more charitable version of it, which I don't think is what they think, is like, oh, this is, it's always been this way, but now we are more evolved. Yeah. Not evolved. They would never say evolved. We have learned more based off our study and, um, you know, uh, our, our patience and our faith. We yeah. now know today is is the peak of the knowledge yeah. like i can't imagine any christian is going to be like oh well in 20 years we'll probably think different because we'll learn more no my assumption is like <laughs> no no we i bet everyone's always like no this is the end this, this is, is the this end. is the farthest we've ever taken mm-hmm, it. exactly and there's nothing past this so i wanted to kind of wrap up the episode with pulling it back and why does this matter as i said uh the the book that i read was came out in 1998. And as I was reading it, I thought it was really interesting because they said public opinion polls in the 90s said that from 40 to 60 Americans pay some attention to prophecies. So I was like, okay, surely it's like not that much now, <laughs> right? In 2023. So I did some research and I found a Pew article from December 2022 that said 39% of adults in America believe we are living in the end times. That's 2022. And that's not even like believing in a hint of prophecy. It's like, no, no, no. Not prophecy real, we think we're, we're living in, essentially 40% of America thinks we're living in the end times. <sighs> like, I, and 63% of evangelicals think we're living in the end times. Evangelicals are, I believe this is still true, the largest Christian subset. Cool. And Christian, 70% of Americans, 70% of Americans identify as Christian. So I think that can tell you this is a problem. This is a lot of people that believe this. And then even more uh, disturbing, and this is the thing that I, that, you know, the writer talks about in the book a lot that I love. (laughs) They're not, they are a cognitive minority. (laughs) They are very powerful. But they know that the winds of culture yeah. are against them. So they're pushing back even harder. 
they're like, no, this is our, like, we, we have to stand for what we believe in. And people pushing back is just proving them right. Because exactly. it's like the worldly view. Exactly. Getting exactly. their way. And like every bad thing that happens in America is like, seems to fall in world. You know? So it, we, it seems like we go directly from a easy way to just, to like, look forward and explain away problems to, hey, that's what we are right now, but it's so much more specific and drilled down to, hey, man, not only is it like, oh, something bad is happening to me in my village. It's like who whatever's happened bad to anyone mm-hmm. on the planet is leading up to this. It yeah. seems like we've yeah. uh, uh, gorged ourselves at this uh, dispensationalism buffet and, and, yes. and as it relates to the end times. Yeah, so that's it. I just wanted everyone to <coughs> know that this is not something that has, is really in the Bible. It's not something that has even been a prominent belief in Christianity for very long. Mm-hmm. But it's so like, – it just has such an impact on us here in America well, and worldwide because America has such an impact. Yeah, for sure. Culturally and you know, politically, whatever. You know. Oh, my God. That's a whole yeah. other thing. So I, I I more just want to remind folks this is not actually based <laughs> in any like real reality, but a lot of very powerful people believe it. Yeah, yeah, and now so do all of us, unfortunately. Yep. And if you use the term "us" more loosely, yeah, that's a, a, a fascinating, if not scary, uh, a quick look. I mean, I guess you know maybe it's not that scary. Independent uh, thinkers start and say cool things that yeah. are true and right all the time, and people pick up, they cherry pick whatever they mm-hmm. like, and then it it takes on its own life. Yeah, they're not all doing a dispensationalism and allowing for you know the destruction of the planet. Sometimes they're doing other things, but I'm glad that we were able to you know scratch the surface on this. It sounds like there's a lot, lot, lot more. There that. is, there's a lot more, and again, like just because of my like specific interests, I couldn't help but see all the parallels with QAnon mm-hmm. thinking throughout this. And I think that the co- people picking up the rapture pieces of Darby, but not picking up his like the church structure is bad, right. is just so indicative of that cherry picking. That big, right. I think it's called like a big tent belief system mm-hmm. where it's like. We can accommodate a lot of different beliefs <laughs> under this one tent so that we have power. Yeah, because it's interesting to think about like Pentecostals and Methodists yeah. aren't murdering each other because they all kind of see each other under the big tent. And like we're on the same team. Overall. Right. Versus all those, you know, heathen hordes out yeah. there, those rock and roll musics and devil worshipers and things like that. Yeah, so I, I, I think it, it it makes a lot of sense why like, I just see a lot of similarities in the like a prophecy happened and it didn't actually like they 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 made a prophecy and it didn't actually happen and they just kept on moving like whatever it's fine yeah. like it's it's because that like, you just pick and choose whatever works for you. Uh, I, I reached out to the Patreon uh, to get some okay. like, sort of like kind of questions. Of course, this is a. As we said, an intro to this vague idea, mm-hmm. not vague, intro to this huge idea that has splintered and, and vectored out, out in there. But um, I wanted to kind of like see what sort of things folks were mm-hmm. curious about. And Mike Weber asked, I know some of the slow transition from Jesus' love, everyone unconditionally, that from Jesus' love, everyone unconditionally message to fire and brimstone in the US. But I always love learning more about how that shifted and maybe why. 
any is that sort of like the, I mean, the whole vibe of like well now that we're towards the end times of course yeah i mean i think it's the it's the classic like you have to have an out group and an end group yeah you know like if you're preaching the like oh it's like they're all evil sinners out there and the world is fallen but you're the good ones like you're god's chosen you're yeah. gonna be picked to heaven like so you always have to have that out group and it's like no matter what even if things are so bad, at least, you know, you guys are good. Yes. And how bad they are actually going to bring us towards the yeah, end. Yeah, it's actually too. a good sign because that just means Jesus is going to come back soon. Yeah. Yeah. So I bet there's a, a lot more to all that stuff, just like shifting. But it definitely seems like that, the vibe of the fire and brimstone and all that stuff goes against the sort of like, we will eventually achieve enlightenment. Oh, yeah. But, but that is to say too, like there's, it's not like fire and brimstone is a recent invention either, because there actually are other earlier folks who kind of had a bit of that, like Cotton Mather, like you yeah. look that guy up, Increase Mather, they were all about like, God is going to rain down punishment. <laughs> the, the Puritans loved that shit. Yeah. So I do think that the Fire and Brimstone thing, like, has definitely been, like, it, that's not a, a recent, that's been yeah, around, like, on and off over time. Um, and it's, it is really, it's interesting to see, like, which, like, time periods and which groups, like, picked up what, because... Some of those early Puritans were like similar to dispensationalists, yeah. but not exactly the same. It hadn't yeah. fully evolved there yet. Uh, Jeff Ward asks, are the four horsemen actually a part of Revelation? I think this they is are. like kind of a, uh, you know, a broad thing to kind of, uh, uh, illustrate the dispensationalist vibe of like, well, how much of all of this cartoon bullshit was in uh, uh, Darby's belief, even though it seems like it focused more on the there's going to be the rapture and so forth. Well, the four horsemen definitely are in the book of Revelation, but how they are interpreted has changed a lot over time. Like some people, like I know the whole, like the white horse, some people used to like interpret as Jesus Hell yeah. and some people interpreted it as the Antichrist. Hell yeah. So it's more just like the base is there and people have interpreted it very differently depending on what was going on, yeah. what they were trying to prove. But the four horsemen are actually in there. I, I feel like we, we, as a people, try to think about things as, like, uh, flat and ubiquitous. So yeah. we're like, okay, well, in the year 1618, here's what everyone believed. And right. Then in the year 1870, here's what everyone believed. And if it's, I mean, I think we know that that's not how it works. Right. One of those different groups and like where or geographical right. and, you know. But it's definitely interesting to see that like, okay, there's the, we're shooting for eventually becoming Good through our yeah our our collective yeah. sort of like struggle betterment <laughs> struggle and then we will bring in the end times parentheses positive mm -hmm. versus the end times parentheses derogatory yeah the end um, times fire brimstone exactly exactly well I have a thousand more questions about this and I think there's a thousand little ways that we can uh, uh, branch off of this and for uh, you know ten thousand different. Uh, uh, spinoff episodes. So I just want to thank you very much, Jennifer, for doing all this research. And I have become thirsty to find yeah. out more. No, absolutely. You're welcome. And, and again, I really do recommend the book that I was reading. The last days are here again. A history of the end times by Richard Kyle, RIP. I really am sad. I really wanted to like talk to him because I would love to hear his take. Yeah. On QAnon stuff. Like, oh, and again, like he like literally does call it Tim LaHaye, but 
because this came out in 1998, like, yes, Left Behind had come out, but it hadn't become like a big it thing. It hadn't blown yet. up yet. It hadn't yeah. blown up yet. So I don't, he didn't even address it. He does, I mean, Tim LaHaye wrote other like books about yes. the end times and he talks yes. about those. And we'll have to do episodes um, on those, even though I don't want to, but also yeah. they but sound I'm, fun. But I'm sad because I would have loved to talk to this guy. Well, you know, I'm sure there's other guys out I'm there. I'm sure there are. Yeah. I just, I just feel like it, it's funny, like how many like good academics are like, you know, like, I teach at Tabor College and like wherever <laughs> they're doing like really cool shit. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and again, like I, I, I get the sense that he, I mean, he is at like a religious college, but it reminded me of all of our professors at yeah. our religious college who are like, well, I still vaguely believe, but I am, <laughs> I am going to be, real. I consider myself a Christian. The earth is 38 billion years yeah, old. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like that. Uh, no, it was super interesting. Um, we I'm, gotta get our professors on, Jennifer. Oh my god, <laughs> I kind of do want to, but my I really want to get into Schofield though because like what a fucking scammer! Like the whole like him being like, oh, I left my wife and child. Like he like got married again. Like he like literally like abandoned his like wife and child. <laughs> I love the idea. And got jailed for forgery. It's hilarious. I love the idea of somebody like, oh, I've 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 now got you, and then the we got him, folks. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like, like, who cares? God damn it! The Schofield Reference Bible is like the most popular Bible. It did not matter. I mean, well, back in the day, you could just fucking, like, leave your life behind. You'd be like, I'm going to be a pastor now. Yeah, Fuck my wife. That's cool. King, child. I don't care about them. Yeah, goodbye. Well, let us know uh, uh, about all of this, what you would most like to hear more yeah, about. Yeah, what are you interested in? <clears throat> we have uh, plans for a lot more, but uh, – which will – most likely cover what you're interested in but hey maybe we'll do what you think is most interesting mm-hmm. sooner if you say so and we are starting book two tribulation yep. force soon very soon um who knows how soon yeah, hopefully now, soon 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 i feel like this is kind of like the kickoff of the next season yes exactly way, yeah know? where we have the greetings adventurers uh kickstarter recording weekend coming up soon so that's going to eat up a lot of our time yeah i've also been very busy at work unfortunately. yeah that the, you being so busy at work has pushed a lot of our it stuff because i i get so tired from actually having to work at work you, yeah having two jobs damn. yeah exactly <laughs> podcaster and my day job yeah exactly well thank you so much for listening thank you so much for everyone over on patreon.com mm-hmm. slash content hole to help us make sure episodes like this happen um, and to give us the energy to keep on going. Mm-hmm. It means a lot. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at TribForcePod. Farce. What did I say? Force. Yeah, TribForcePod. Uh, we don't tweet or Instagram a lot at all. We pretty much never Instagram. No, I don't Instagram my own damn self and my right. own account. I barely tweet on my own damn account. I, so. I do log into the Twitter every now and again, but. Don't really tweet from it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Lanning and follow Jennifer on Twitter at Jennifer Cheek. Wow. Until wow. next time, spread it, baby. Spread the dispensation. Spread them, baby. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.